say one more thing. One more thing. So we haven't done this since before we went to North Carolina. Yep. The week before. Yep. And that feels like that was forever ago now. It sure does. <clears throat> it was a different time. <laughs> it was late March. Yes. This is middle April. <laughs> it's kind of late April because we're past the 15th. Okay. All right. This is Hello Dear Conversation Podcast about discomfort. Hello Dear. Hello Dear. This is Hello Dear, a conversation podcast. I'm your co-host, Gabe, and joining me as always is my life partner, my best friend and the gassy blonde lady that is in the kitchen. Hello. 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 That's Jen Jennifer. How are you? Yes, I am Jennifer. <laughs> I don't yes. currently have gas, but I'm mostly blonde. So I guess that works. That's always been my go-to for <laughs> like describing you when I'm wondering if you've been somewhere. Hey, I'm looking yeah. for this person. She's you know, about she's small and blonde and, and gassy. And then people just look at me <laughs> like they don't know. You're not wrong. <laughs> I mean, I'm not ashamed to admit I have irritable bowel. I'm not ashamed to admit that I have reflux. This is the joy you married. Does, does it surprise people sort of your bowel fluency? <laughs> <laughs> Not with the work I do. <laughs> <laughs> so, because like I, I, I bring it up because the work with the work I do, people are often shocked and appalled at how comfortable I am talking about my shortcomings, and they tend your to think. Vowels? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I do teach punctuation, so there's that whole unit on colons where I make them. Oh yeah, watch those videos of my colonoscopy preps. But no, I mean, like just in general, like. That I'm competent or not competent. I'm comfortable, you know, making alcoholism is a problem in our culture jokes. And, you know, hey, don't pick on the diabetic kids. That's a totally different kind of diabetes. Leave them alone. If you're going to pick on diabetes, people pick on me. And then they all laugh. But like like some folks are really uncomfortable with that. Well, <clears throat> you and I have always bonded over the it's better to laugh than to cry because some of the stuff is just, I mean, it's the genetic look of the draw. And you can either sit there and, and moan about it, which is fine. Or you can accept it, work with it, do the best you can and have a laugh now and then. And, you know, along the way, maybe advocate for, you know, sensitivity and awareness, like, hey, that's not a joke. <laughs> that's a person. And by the way, that person's me. And <laughs> I've always kind of like, like taken it that way. I had to do that with somebody with pronouns yesterday. They kept misgendering someone. So finally, I, 
I didn't realize I was doing it till it came out of my mouth. I started, I tapped the table with my rings. Tap, tap, tap. Their pronouns are she, they, she, they. And then the lady was real mad and embarrassed. And I said, it's okay. We all, we all are learning together. And then she got really, really mad. And then I just started giggling. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> just like that. Because, you know, we just have to treat each other with some modicum of kindness and respect. And if you can't do that, you just kind of look like a fool and I'm going to giggle. <laughs> Because if I yell at you, then I just give you what you want, which mm -hmm. is an argument. I'll give you many things, but I'm not going to give you my time for an argument. I have found that what I call the Nikenji maneuver works yeah. really well. And I'll explain it. Nikenji's a friend of mine who is a one always quick to confront uh, people's assumptions about her. And when when something happens that sh that galls her, should be uh -huh. appalling, she will immediately lean right into it and ask that person what they think they're doing. So somebody tells her an off-color joke, she's going to lean in and say, what was the funny part of that exactly? Can you explain that to me? Yeah. Uh, and then, like, they that doesn't win her a lot of friends, but it does get the the person away like to go away without escalating sometimes yeah well sometimes is the sometimes. best we can hope for in today's world yeah i think it's an interesting entry point into conversations about relationships in general because how do you deal with when your partner your loved one whatever steps in it because everybody steps in it. So well, and you're, you're really practiced at dealing with when your partner steps in <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, but I've stepped in it too. <laughs> and, and what I mean by stepped in it is just said something that is so God awful, whether it was intentional, whether it was in a, you know, unintentional, a fit of rage, a fit of stupid, whatever it is. There's this weird phenomena that happens with people with whom you have a solid sense of trust. You see this with kids really often. That once they reach a point of intolerable frustration about something, doesn't even have to do with the person that they will later do this dumb thing to. But <clears throat> because when they're in relationship with someone they trust or love, they feel safe enough to just be horrible, <laughs> just awful. <laughs> and sometimes as adults, we can catch it like, oh, I'm being a total ass because I had such a terrible day and I had to be quiet about this all day. But I can't do that. I have to stop. I need to take a break. But for the most part, if it's gotten that bad as an adult, <laughs> you don't catch it till after you've done it. And then you really <laughs> stepped in it. You know, at least I'll speak for myself in that way. Kids, on the other hand, you know, they get frustrated, they get agitated. 
you know, and the next thing, you know, they're throwing blocks at their parents or, you know, their beloved dog or you name it. And then, you know, they, they get that release and then move on. I don't know that I have necessarily felt a cathartic moment after acting like an asshole to you. (laughs) (laughs) Mostly it just brought out shame and guilt, but I know that there have been times when I have done that. And then it's like, Ooh, that was gross. You know? And then how do you apologize and move forward from that? Oddly enough, I feel like we do that well. And I think for us anyway, it's harder to move past the small slights that are completely unintentional. And and so I bring I bring these things up. It's kind of a, a vast chasm of assholery that, <laughs> that I've brought us into, but with this idea of needing to do repair after, I don't want to call it an attack, but definitely after a really negative interaction with each other, with it, with an emotional hurt, um, whether intentional or unintentional. I mean, it, I think it's a worthwhile thing to talk about. Mm-hmm. It's almost tangentially related to a recent uh, Gottman Institute uh, newsletter I happened Uh to have up just because I wanted to bring it up today. Their argument in the headline, which is my favorite headline, it is not your partner's fault. You are angry. Oh, see, that's exactly what I'm talking about. (laughs) Right. And I think you and I do a really good job of owning our own emotional states. Yeah. Especially as we get older, we've come to a place where you can just say, listen, I'm I'm angry and sad today. So I'm just going to go be in that moment and I'll try to come around to it tomorrow. Like I'll try to be more present to the moment now. But like I've just had so much angry and sad that I got to just take 30 hours to myself. <laughs> well, yeah. And and it, it can be hard, though, to do that, because when I need when I need space, Sometimes that can feel like I don't want you. I don't need you, which is not it at all. I want and need to know that there is someone safe kind of holding space for me while I go through my shit, (laughs) Mm -hmm. if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I think like if if you're in a long-term relationship with someone, Figuring out how you need time or how you need space or how you need to process your own feelings, uh, especially if they're intense, is really important. And I hear all the kind of uh, popular culture discussion of love languages. My love language is casseroles, you know, whatever. My love language is acts of service, like washing the floor, you know, whatever that is. 
my love language is shut the fuck up. Yeah, like <laughs> that might be my love language. My love language is just stay downstairs for a while. My love language is titty twisters and butt slaps. <laughs> but but okay, okay. This is this is why we're not fit for company. But this this is this is the the whole thing though. Like if you think about how you express love, it's not just like, I love you, so I'm doing this for you. It's all the nuts and bolts of a relationship that become expressions of long-term love. So we used to joke, you're, how did, how did we used to say that? It was essentially like, you don't realize it's true love until you have to give someone a suppository for a procedure. <laughs> you know, those things are not as straightforward as you'd think. No. <laughs> and, and that's really, that's really antithetical because you'd think they'd go straight in. It's just straightforward, but they're right. My love language is, is a lubricated suppository. <laughs> My love language is that you will give me one of those at home enemas before a procedure. <laughs> you know, we're, we're, it's funny. It's funny. Um, <laughs> approach with curiosity. <laughs> And cultivate butt centeredness. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I yeah. I, I you know, a lot of people like to couch that conversation, that idea in vows, right? Like the sickness yeah. and health and stuff. But like, I I don't know. I don't think of it as 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 caretaking so much as it is like sometimes we're called on to do the unpleasant thing. Right. And it's a and and you know it's a far far better thing that I do now than I've ever done, which is to shove this little piece of plastic up my friend's ass. <laughs> well, I think that's the original ending for a tale of two cities. By the way, I think they, that's. that's... <laughs> to be clear, no suppositories have been used <laughs> recently. Yeah, not for. Oof, I mean, at least. 15 years yeah i mean there's always tomorrow but yeah you never know but i i i think though that idea of it's not your partner you're angry with is 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 one to reflect on but it is your partner that you want by your side when you're going through some shit maybe not like following your every step and hovering over you but you'll want you'll want that person with you going through this um it's interesting too cuz that doesn't mean that they have to co-opt the experience for you and take over everything take over all the decision making just take care of me mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not you're talking mad and so i'm going to be mad for you now is probably yeah, the least not, helpful not response you can get yeah. yeah. Or even even we're just co-opt and now we're both mad and now we've got two mad people instead of, you know. Right. Yeah. Yep. 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 I think it's really um, it's a it's it's a big part, a big part that I think makes that for me. And it's an exercise that this particular podcast 
requires a lot of of me and i'm i'm happy to continue that but i you know listening to understand as opposed to waiting to respond has been such a game changer for me in every regard like and it is something i have to really really work on because i'm always with the severe adhd and multi-threaded processing that i do i am always thinking about okay what are the 17 different ways i can respond to this mm-hmm. and if i make a point of calming myself and then like looking at the person who's talking with me if they can handle that and really just trying to listen like that's this sort of zen moment that puts me into this place where like i can actually separate myself from the other and have a meaningful experience yeah it's hard i think i mean you really you're really you're really practiced at that and i think you're really good at it i have to to friggin work on it every single day because i'm you know it's just i'm very comfortable with things sort of i'm very comfortable with saying things that come off my mouth without ever having really thought about them Mm. and the listening part really helps me make sure that happens less well i i think that i have the introverted version of that which is i'm actively listening to you and then i want to help you fix it which is not helpful <laughs> and that in some weird ways, I feel like they both reflect some level of loss of control. Like, if you control the narrative, then things will be better. If I control the outcome, things will be better. And the truth is, it has nothing to do, it has nothing to do with either of us when we're trying to support the other. And that's really hard because no one likes to see someone they care about suffer. And even if it's just suffering and inconvenience, I mean, I'm sure there are some sadistic relationships where that works for them and I'm not going to kink shame, but like they, they get into the suffering of each other. I don't know. I suppose. I, there's... I, I mean, I don't know that it's necessarily a kink, but yes, I appreciate what you're saying. <laughs> uh, hey, everybody's got their own way of living, but I, <laughs> I do think that 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 need to rescue versus witness is hard for most people to sit with. And it requires a tremendous amount of trust of each other and lived experience. I w- I would argue it lived experience is probably the thing to do it because the stumbling block for most folks with this stuff is that they have some trust, but they haven't had enough lived experience of, of that trust being valid and, and functional to keep, to keep there without trying to fix, without trying to rescue, without trying to control the narrative, without trying to talk somebody out of how they feel. It's, it's difficult. I mean, think back to when you were an adolescent and one of your friends was struggling. 
did you try to talk them out of feeling crappy? Did you vent with them and get sucked into the the toxicity of the frustration? Or did you just actively listen and hold space for them? Jesus, I did not. I did not actively listen and hold space. I dumped into venting. I dumped into trying to fix it, distract them. But like just staying with somebody in that moment of, of their frustration, despair, anger, so uncomfortable and so such a mirror for my own discomfort with those feelings in myself. You know, it was hard. It took a lot of lived experience to be able to tolerate that. Like, and, and also not to, not to completely disavow association with it. Like, well, that's not my shit. That's his shit. Well, yeah, it might be, you know, his or her shit, but you're also sharing space with that person. So how, how does that person want support? What does that support look like for them? You can't, you can't just intuit that. That's a conversation and experience together. And it, and even after, you know, 25 years together, 27 years together, whatever it is, sometimes there just is uh, I don't know is the only answer you're going to get. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> what can I do for you? Nothing like literally nothing. This is just my thing to sit with. Yep. Yeah. And that that's the hardest for me because it's like, and, and I, and I, I, I you do a good job of it. Uh, but it's really hard for me to, to like, you, you know, just, this is, I feel like I've been the one bringing stuff that you just have to sit with a lot lately. And like, you know what I mean? Like, cause there's just so much going on in the world that like I'm carrying around that, you know, I come home and, and we both just kind of shut down for a little while and then we have a nice weekend. So I don't know. Well, yeah, I, I think I, if I could just throw out there, I don't think you bring any more crap home than I do. I think any human being who goes out into the world or interacts with the world, or even if they live a cloistered life, I would guess this happens, you know, acquires a load of discomforts, anger, fear, you know, like all the emotions. And to get back to a baseline, everybody's kind of got to figure out how they're going to do that. But can you be present emotionally and physically without being so present that you co-opt those feelings or feel responsible for those feelings or feel like that's really hard. Like I see you, I see you've had a shitty day. I know you have a routine that works for you. I trust you to follow that routine. I'm going to follow mine. Let's, let's do this in parallel and then reconnect when we've had time to restore ourselves. I mean, that's, not not to brag, but that's some high level shit right there. <laughs> <laughs> right? I, so this is how I envision the alternative version of you and I, where you are the male breadwinner and I am the crazy stay at home lady with 17 babies who now the youngest, oldest of which 
or the youngest of which is leaving, right? So you're going to come home from your long day and I'm going to be in the kitchen and my feet are tired because I don't wear shoes. And, and you're going to look at me and say, what? And I'm going to be really pissed. And you're going you're to be like, what? And I'll be like, there were like four birds looking at me today. Really mean. You got to fix it. Get rid of those, that bird feeder. You, you've, you've said that. <laughs> You're right. I have. I thought I was making a fantasy. You, you've said that, buddy. <laughs> there were four birds out there looking at me. Do something. Don't let all those birds come around here. I, I believe the response to something along those lines has been, then take down the bird feeder. <laughs> oh, that bird's a real f- son of a bitch. Well, <laughs> right. And and uh, <laughs> clearly in your scenario and in my recollection, you were just really stressed out. This is what, I recall this when we lived in Milwaukee. I don't think it was birds. I think it was squirrels. Oh, it was that woodpecker. That's right. <laughs> that it front was tree. the woodpecker. You hated that woodpecker <laughs> so much. That just for the record, that tree is still there and is still dead. Really? <laughs> oh, I forgot that it was a woodpecker. It was the woodpecker. I'm sorry that I forgot your woodpecker. I'm sorry I forgot my woodpecker. But I remember this conversation too clearly and just thinking, God damn, he's really mad. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably those Thursdays when I was home with Gaia all day. Those can only watch so much Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah. And baby Einstein. Oh, man. (laughs) But, but more to the point. (laughs) <laughs> aside from devil woodpeckers that make you so angry. Like that's a really good scenario. You just come home from a long day and you walk in the house and for all intents and purposes, your partner's raging about something that's so freaking bizarre <laughs> and so not an issue after dealing with big issues all day. And yet it is clearly an issue for them. So, you know, regardless of how not an issue that is for you, it is an issue for them. And it wasn't an issue for you. I think that's one of those moments where, you know, you got it off your chest and then we helped get dinner on the table and you moved on until the woodpecker pissed you off again. But it, you know, how easy would it be to go, you nut job, you're sitting here raging about a woodpecker after I spent 10 hours wrestling some kid out of a pond, you know, like, because <laughs> that's how weird my job is. And I had to revise my email about not catching wild creatures and putting them in the house five times today. And you're worried that some woodpecker is disrespecting you. Yes. <laughs> But but in that moment, you that that earnestness with which the hatred of the woodpecker had manifested itself in you was so real. Why would you argue against how someone is feeling? 
even if it seems just bizarre to you. Yeah, right? I mean, it's that don't ever tell your partner to calm down stuff. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> calm if down. you say that to either, if either one of us says that to each other, that's like waving a red cloth in front of a bull. I, <laughs> I think for most people it would be. But can you be in, in the same space having parallel experiences that don't cross over? Can you tolerate that? It depends on uh, what the woodpecker's up to, I guess. Right, right. <laughs> no, that's legit. That's like, le- yes, exactly. Sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. And, and, and it, it, a lot of times it's out external forces beyond your control. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So that's 29 minutes. That's 29 minutes. What did we, what did we learn? What did we learn this week? I've got one. Well, I don't have a learn. I have a uh, bumper sticker from okay. a phrase we came together with, right? So I thought that would be another thing we could do is come up with a, a rather than a life lesson. But here's my bumper sticker from today's show. Are you ready? Yeah. Mirror your discomfort. And then under it says, titty twisters and butt slaps. <laughs> You know, oh gosh, how I guess my bumper sticker would would be Mister Hug It Out and Miss Fix It should knock it off. <laughs> I'm Mister Hug It Out. I'm Miss Fix It. Thanks for joining us. That's very nice.